Harrison Doctor. And I'm Corinne Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. And today we are joined by Rodrigo Sales out of Brazil, who is the other half of Untamed Angling. So in our previous season, we spoke with Marcelo Perez out of Bolivia, and this is the Brazilian jungle fishing counterpart. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode with Marcelo and Golden Dorado, is there two or just one? I think there's two. Yeah, go back and listen to those. They're great, uh, but enjoy. We talk a lot about Payara and the jungle. Let's hear from Rodrigo. Here we go. Rodrigo, are you there? Yes, I'm here. So great to speak with you, Rodrigo. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. How about you? I mean, we're good over here. It's finally spring, you know, so flowers are coming out. Trout are waking up. So yeah, we're that's excited. Great. That's great. That's great. We are also here. Very exciting. Preparing our 2022 seasons in Brazil. So and getting getting ready for one more season here. That's awesome. Awesome. So for anyone who doesn't know, we are here with Rodrigo Salas. He is the partner in Untamed Angling, but the CEO of the Brazil portion. So how many lodges are there that you all operate in Brazil? Yes. Here in Brazil, actually, we are running four different destinations, four different lodges. Uh, we run Kenjan uh, and the Iriri River. We run uh, the Shingu Lodge. That's our newest lodge also in the Kayapó land in the Shingu River. And we have the Rio Moria in the western side of the Brazilian Amazon for the giant bass, giant peacock bass, in the Arapaima place that it's Mamirawa Reserve, the Pirarucu Lodge. So actually we have four different destinations in, in the Brazilian Amazon. And they all sound like so much fun. Well, with such an amazing variety of, of fish species and some of the highest biodiversity on the planet in these areas where you have these lodges spread out, um, say nothing of the culture and the peoples that you have had the opportunity to work with at all these different lodges. We know you have a plethora of stories, but we're hoping to hear at least one or two today. Yeah, yeah. It's first is a pleasure. Thank you very much for the invitation for this podcast. Uh, I'm glad to to be here with you talking more about jungle fly fishing and and all we do in the Brazilian Amazon and also with Marcelo between Brazil and Bolivia. We are opening the gates for so many different variety of rivers, environments, and, and, and fish species we can catch on the fly. And uh, obviously, some of them are well known by the fly fishing community as the Dorado or even the peacock bass, and lately the Arapaima. But uh, we still have a lot of new, new uh, stuff going on. And every, every season and every place, every different place, we are finding out uh, new species to catch on the fly, new techniques to catch them. I think it's one of the last gates we still have open for develop the fly fishing in our planet. Definitely. It's well, so the, unique. The newest destination is Payara focused. Is that correct? Exactly. The Shingu Lodge. It's a natural extension of our Kenjan Lodge in the Riri River. It's our uh, long-term relation uh, partnership with the Kayapa natives in the in the southern Brazilian Amazon. And uh, the Shingu River, it's one of the most important tributaries of the, of the Amazon River. And after five years in, in the Iriri River, the natives called us to, and, and, and asked us to, 
to experience their most important river there in their native land, that it's the Shingo River. It's a massive uh, water body. It's a massive river, but very, very clear, emerald clear water, completely protected for more than 150 miles inside their land. It's home of a very, very consistent pie fishing, which is, I think, the new kid on the block for the yeah, fly fishing totally. species. And Definitely. those, their nickname is the vampire fish. Is that right? Yes, for 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 a couple of reasons, especially the their teeth, their fangs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still remember the first time I saw a video of one that had broken a tooth, and somebody flipped out the next tooth that was available in its jaw, and that sort of blew my mind. Yeah, the payara is is the top predator of the of the Shingo River Basin. And it, it's, a, it's a really challenge on the fly. There's few uh, information about that. And once we started to chase them on the fly back in 2015, uh, there are few people that in fact were fly fishing for payara in a consistent way. And we were step-by-step uh, -step open new doors, learning a lot, especially with the natives there. and. As of today, I think we we learn much more than the beginnings, but it's still a lot of new things to learn. And every season that we are there, we are learning new stuff, you know. And and the last one, people just thought that we can catch big payata with uh, heavy sinking lines, big flies down in the bottom, and then we figure out that the moment they this fish comes to the surface and hits uh, all the bait fish on top water and we start catching them on poppers, which is That's amazing. unbelievable. Yeah. We've heard a lot of tales. You you know that we've fished for Dorado in the Bolivian Amazon a, yeah, a couple sure. of times now. And mm -hmm. we've heard tales of when like every single fish is eating off the surface. We've caught a couple on mouse patterns, but it was harder. You know, when we were there, it just wasn't the perfect season for that. But the stories of those big predatory Amazonian fish eating poppers just sounds so entertaining. Yes, definitely is is the most fun is the most interesting way and, and the funnest way to catch all this jungle species. For example, the dorado on on mouse patterns even with big dry flies, poppers, skating flies. Uh for peacock bass getting 20 plus pounders on poppers, it's blows your mind. And also now for the payata, we are doing that. And even for Arapaima, we are catching them on top. So it's, it's still uh, a big, big new window of learning curve of this species. It's completely different from trout fishing, salmon fishing, even saltwater, which we have decades, may, maybe much more than decades of learning curve for those species. And then in the jungle, we're just touching the tip of a big iceberg. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, before we let you go on a specific story, you mentioned 20-pound peacock bass, and we have to offer some congratulations. I understand you just broke a record not too long ago or was just recognized for a record peacock bass. Tell us about that real quick. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Thanks for that. And it it was it was a, a surprise for all of us. Obviously, I've been chasing peacock bass since I'm child with my grandfather, and then when I started fly fishing in the Amazon, the same. I never was a record chaser, fly fisherman, but that was a very specific and and situation. 
last season and the beginning of last season in September in the Rio Maria, where we found perfect conditions of fish in sandbars. They were everywhere. And at, at that specific day, we had 420 plus pounders at the same time. We we're training the guides uh, in our scouting week of the river. And we were in two boats fishing together. And then we found out in a place that was packed with big peacock bass in a sandbar. And we caught four monster fish almost together in these two skiffs. And luckily for me, I, I got a, a, I lost two big fish. Uh, I was not really happy to lose two big fish in front <laughs> no, of me. I imagine you were. I lost two big fish in front of my guide, so I don't like that. <laughs> do what I say, don't do right. what right. I do. Exactly. So, and and then my guide said, "Well, Rodrigo, what's going on? You were you were you were the man here. You were losing big fish. You're not teaching us how to do it." And then happens, uh, and it it was tough because this fish, when they when they are patrolling the sandbars. And you put the fly in front of them, just like you're sight fishing for bonefish or any other uh, predator species, you start to strip the fly. And this fish, this big peacock bass, they come like a bullet to hit your fly. And, and most of the time when they hit your fly and you strike the fish, they don't care. They start moving whatever they want. And sometimes they start running towards you. So it's really hard to get connected with the fish. Uh, and, and strike it well with a strip strike and get tension. And this fish start to swim really fast towards your direction. And, and, and sometimes you cannot do nothing. You, you, you're trying to be connected with the fish and, and it's not possible. And it happened to me twice in that day in front of my guides. And I was not happy with that situation. <laughs> and, and, and suddenly I saw my boat guides landing a fish and then i look to my right side and i see i see a really big fish patrolling the sandbar and i just made a cast there in front of the fish and the fish come like a bullet and hit the fly was the third one and i say no i i won't lose this fish and then luckily i got i got a good strike and the fish run to the opposite direction and i after some minutes, I landed the fish. I knew that was a really big fish, but I, I never imagined that could be a record. And once we landed the fish, one of our head guides, Martin, said, hey, this, this is a monster fish. Let's, let's take all the measures and, and so on. And then when we put on the, on the GFA scale, we saw that it was 91 centimeters. Uh, and, the, and the current record at that moment was 90. So... It's out out tackle length record, which is really cool because it is in out tackle uh, uh, EGFIA category, and and it's it's on the fly. So for the fly fishing community, that's really cool because most of the people when we're fishing for peacock bass in the jungle say, "Hey, the monster fish you only can catch on conventional tackle." And I was one of the people that since the beginning said, "No, we need we need to." We need to change this mindset. You know, we can we can land right. super yeah. big fish on the fly. Well, that's a proof. <laughs> that's a proof that we can land the biggest fish on the fly, and and that's really good for the all the fly fishing community. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. We'll take those wins in the record book on the fly where we can get them in the all tackle category. That's spectacular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and talking about records, uh, we we can we ha- we have a, a, a list of records we can do in the, in the jungle, you know, because the possibilities are are are, are there. Uh, even talking about line classes and so on. And and it's it's really cool. I think I think I think more records will come uh, pretty soon. I'm sure we are not big record chasers over here, but uh, I I do think it's a really neat, especially that all tackle length record is you know like you said great for the industry and just for people to know that that fish is out there and available shallow on the fly is uh, an inspiration. It is, it is, and that's a good thing. That's the good thing. It is an all tackle record caught on a fly fishing, and that makes makes people think that it's that's possible. That's really possible. I love it. Well, cool. Well, I know you had at least one story kind of queued up in mind, so I'm going to just give you the floor here and let you run with it. Yeah, uh, we were talking about the payata, and I think that's a lot of. Cool stories that rounds the payata, lots of mystery about this fish, as Green said, a vampire fish. And uh, one of the oh no, one of the coolest things about the payata, and I think for us it is one of the coolest stories we have in the jungle, and we have many, is related about the natives' uh, ancient knowledge and traditions related with that fish. For most of the Kayapa natives, the payata is kind of a sacred fish. As same as the Simani uh, indigenous uh, people believe that the Dorado, it is a sacred fish. It is, it is relative of, of the jaguar uh, in the jungle. And for the Kayapos, the payata has a very special meaning as a ritual, as an ancient ritual. And it's kind of a cool story because it's related also with our relation on fly fishing for payata. Once we started fishing for the payata in the Shingo River back in 2015-16, I saw many of the of the natives there, especially uh, the warriors. And the warriors, when we m- mention the warriors, Kayapos, they are the man that hunts and fish, you know. They pass it through a, a ritual from their youth age and to be a man, a warrior, to go out and hunt and fish for their family and for their community. Most of these tribes need to have a ritual and, and the man that wants to be a, a warrior needs to pass through this, this ritual to prove that he's able to, to be there hunting and fishing for their family and community. And every different uh, uh, native tribe had different rituals on that. But for the Kayapos of the Shingu River, the most common one, it is related with the Payara. And that's where I come back to the first times I went to the Shingu for scouting the river for the Payara to see if the places have a consistent fly fishing for Payara, the population of fish and so on. So we got with the best fishermen and, and, and hunters of the Kayapa tribe there. And all of them have really, really deep scars in their arms and their legs. And I was quite interested on that because I didn't saw this these scars uh, like deep cuts in their in their arms and legs in the in the Kenjan village in the Rii River with the Kayapas there. It's just a 
something that I saw with the waters in the Shingu River. And I got really interested about that. And I asked them, hey, what's that? What do you have in your arms? These deep scars and, and in, in both arms and legs. And they brought me to the village and I started talking with the Indian chief there, the oldest one. And he told me exactly the story about the, those scars. And in fact, it's, it's one of these rituals of passage between the youth age to become a warrior. And the Kayapo, from generations and generations, centuries, they do this ritual uh, to become a warrior. And it is that you need to catch a big fish, you need to catch a big payara, take out one or two of their fangs, bring back to the village, and the chief procedures to a scarification ritual. Cuts your arms and legs for days and days. And if you resist that, they truly believe that that scarification uh, ritual will bring the energy, the force of this top raider to them, to their souls. And with that, they will become better fishermen. And it's a ritual that they do by centuries. And it, for me, that was simply amazing. So I got really shocked and interested about that. You know? Yes, amazing. And hold on, Rodrigo, how do they catch, like, when one of these young, you know, Kaiopos goes out, like, how are they catching a Pyara? What's the method? Uh, with a hand line. Okay. And uh, sometimes a, a live bait, a live sardina, something like that. And they throw in the current and let it drift, like they were drifting the, the live bait with a hand line and they catch them. Needs to be a big one. Not a small one. They have all the all the procedures of, to a payara to qualify for this scarification ritual. Needs to be a big one, and they take the fangs out, and and there's a specific ceremony where all the young kayapos that wants to become a warrior they need to pass through this scarification ritual, and they go to the in the center of the village. There's the warrior house. All the, all the Kayapo villages are, have houses in a circular perimeter. And in the center of this, cir this, this circle, they have the warrior's house. That it is the, the meeting hut where all the natives demand and, and the chiefs takes the decision about their lives and the community life and so on. So the ritual is in, the, in this warrior's house. And the, and the chief, the oldest one, or the shaman, cuts the arms and the legs of the young Kayapa, and you need to bleed, you need to resist for a couple of days, and obviously those scars last for their lives, you know, because they are deep scars. And then when we start fishing, fly fishing for the payara, obviously all the natives, they look to us, say, we fish this big payara with hand lines and live baits, you're coming here with a fly rod, and all these feathers tied in a hook, throwing that in the river and you think that you're catching big payata? No, that's not the way you, you, you can catch them. Obviously, it's a process that we need to show them that it's, that it's a way of fishing and we can catch them. And we started to catch payata on the fly. In one moment, we were together fishing and one of the warriors chief of the village in the Shingu River said, Rodrigo, if you catch a big payara, obviously you were showing that you were a good fisherman and you need to do 
the ritual. Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water Apparel. For those of you who don't know, we are the co-founders and owners of Rep Your Water, where we make everything from hats, sun shirts, merino blend sun hoodies, whiskey glasses, teas, and much more. All of our products feature unique designs and all of them support our conservation partners. To see the latest and learn more, check out our website, www.repyourwater.com. Fishing Stories is also brought to you by Lock & Co. Whiskey. Distilled right here in Colorado and finished with hand-cut, charred Colorado Aspen wood discs, this smooth and yet complex whiskey is as unique as any trout stream. It's a staple on our bar at home and is delicious served as is or even mixed in a cocktail. To learn more, go to www.lockandcodistilling.com. Lock spelled with an E. If you catch a big payata, obviously you were showing that you were a good fisherman and you need to do the ritual. I said, what? He said, yes, if you want to do this project and if you want to be here with us and partnering with us in this project and catching the payata, the most important fishing for our native tribes, you need to, to be one of us and, and do that because you need to understand what we're talking about. We're talking about this fish is the most important fish of the river for us. And this project will be important for our lives and our future. You are part of us. You need to do. And I said, oh, my God. <laughs> and now what? I need to keep catching this by on fly and do this ritual or what? And obviously in that in that week, we catch many payata and they all saying and joking that that's not a big enough. That's not a big one to say, okay, which, which payata it's, or which size of payata it's qualifies for this qualification record. I need to see because I need to be prepared. <laughs> and I even yeah. was thinking to have some antibiotics and, or something in my backpack to be prepared for that. Yeah, not you a know? bad idea when you got open wounds in the jungle for us, uh, you know, non driving during a, a scouting trip that we didn't have a lodge, nothing there. We were sleeping on, on, on the dirt, on tents and hammocks in the village or in the jungle when we were running upstream. So I was a little bit concerned, but finally, they told me that need, needs to be at least uh, a nine kilo or 20 pound payata. And we were catching fish on, on five, six, seven kilo, all nice and big fish. And on the last day of this scouting trip, the really last day of this scouting trip in the morning, and I was together with the, our good friend, Ross Burnell of Fly Fisherman Magazine. And he he understood about this ritual with, with me there. I got uh, a really big one, uh, a really, really big payata. And I fought the fish. We took some photos that by the end become the, the cover of uh, Fly Fisherman magazine. It was a 22-pound payata with uh, 101 centimeters. And we filmed it, we was releasing the fish. I, I, I completely forgot about the ritual because it was several days after that conversation. And I was ready to release the fish as we did with several other payata we caught. And at the exact moment that I was releasing the fish, one of the natives came on my back and hit my back saying, no, 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 wait, you're not releasing this fish. They are keeping you honest on <laughs> on the deal you need you need to use your pyre and take out the fang because you do the ritual 
today? And I said, that's real serious we were talking about? I said, yeah, yeah. And then we got the fish. We took out the fang with the plier. And by the way, it's, it's really interesting because this two lower fangs that the payara have, they have another one. And maybe it's like a shark. Every time they lose one, they have another one that grows uh, yeah, in, the same, in the same position. It's really interesting. Uh, so it's not a problem if they take in, in the nature, this fish lose their fangs because they keep uh, a bait fish. They can lose the, fi- they lose the fang and, and it's not a problem. But the, the fact it is that we took the fang of the payara, big one, because it was a real big payara. And the native said, give it to me, this thing. And now we're getting out of here. Say, how? Uh, we are just got this big fish. It's a really good moment of fishing. Let's just stay here and, and, and catch some more. And said, no, we're going back to the village. You, you do the, this scarification ritual. And then, okay, <laughs> we went back to the boat. And I was just thinking about that. We, we went back to the main village, to Soldado, which is the, the oldest Kayapod chief there. We meet them again, the same one that told me his story and said, no, they told me that you got a big fish, a big payara, and will be part of the ritual and you need to become a, a warrior just like us. And then I sit in the middle of the, of the hut and they... It was really, it was a really intense moment because they, they have all this ritual with songs and dance and so on. And finally the chief came with the, with the fang and I made seven, not one, seven cuts in my arm. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) Seven consecutive different cuts in my forearm. And well, uh, I just need to say that. It bleeds a lot and it hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah. I bet. I mean, I've had, you know, big PIR in the back of my mind as a fish I'd love to catch, but now I'm, you know, I'm. Yeah, but you're not going to be invited to be a <laughs> That's good. That's, that's okay. good. Well, that, that's something still discussing with the, with the, with, with the native because now they think that everyone that catches a 20 plus pound payara, even a gas from in, in our lodge, they need to me to make this scarification ritual which is for them important, but none of our guests as of now, but me, uh, then Ross, and then uh, another one made that. It is intense. Uh, it is really, really, really cool because uh, for them, it's, it's their religion, it's their ritual, it's their ancient knowledge, which for us could be just a painful process. For them, it is something spiritual, you know, so... But well, it's definitely it makes you connect with the fish in a different way. You know, we as people who are just fishing to fish, we are constantly thinking, "Oh, here's the big fish. It's good now. Let's keep fishing." And they're like, "No, this is the moment to honor what we're doing here." Exactly, so. Corinne. For them, <laughs> it is it is that way, and also they believe that ritual will bring the force and the strength and of the payara to your body and soul and. Obviously, for us, it is a deep connection with the fish in a different way. And, and it is one of the coolest stories about this jungle 
fish that I ever heard and ever experienced in my life because other fish I know that have some important meaning to the to the natives in the Amazon jungle, but not so deep, definitely deep, yeah. <laughs> like the payara scarification ritual, which for, yeah. for me was mind-changing in terms of understand better how the natives they connect with the fish they, they have in their rivers. And every time I come back there and see all those young kayapas with those cars, I start thinking about the payat and about how they believe this fish will bring their, their the energy to them to become a warrior and be part of all of this. And for me, it's a meaning how they are connected with the jungle and with the animals and with everything that Nowadays, us in our urban lives and so on, we lost this connection with it, with the nature. And once you got and see that, you see how that is raw and legit, you know? Yeah, definitely. Is the Kayapo name also Payara for that fish? No, they, in, they, in their language, they name Payara Tepuatire. Tep in Kayapo means fish. Tepuatire. Uh, it is the fish that becomes from the bottom, from the deep. This this vampire fish that normally they are in deep runs and pools, uh, and that's the reason they have these big eyes. They hunt at night, and that's also some people say that's vampire fish because they they feed at night. Yeah, and, totally. Uh, yeah, it, and don't uh, they associate a lot with fast water too, Rodrigo? Is that true? Yes, yes. Uh, not not in white water. They they prefer to hold on on the bottom end of the runs and and sometimes in in, in pools, and they have those rolling uh, movement just like the dorado rolls in the pools. You know, yeah. Uh, the payara exactly the same. They roll a lot in the pools, but normally they they tend to 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 be more active early morning and, and late afternoon, but which is also, uh, we, are, we are changing that because in the beginnings, uh, some people said, ah, oh, you only have success catching them on the fly really early morning and late afternoon, which is fact, we have more actions on that, but now we can, we, we are catching payara on the fly at noon, 1 p.m., 2 p.m. Uh, it, it just depends on understanding better where these fish are, where they are feeding, uh, depth of the water they are feeding, and specific which place in the river they are, they move a lot. The fact that this is the payata is it's constant moving every every day. They are not holding in a current like a trout or even like the dorado. They are moving. Sometimes they are in the fast water. Sometimes you see them in sunbar. Sometimes you you see the schools in deep water uh, pools or or in in the flats and shallows so they're they're moving uh, constantly and what's your typical like fly setup when you're targeting payara i mean uh, we're talking about fish can be over 20 pounds as we know so i'm mm -hmm. assuming you're on like a what a nine or ten sinking line pretty heavy stuff yes uh we we use both both we use both floating lines and sinking lines most of the time in deep pools, we start with a sinking line, uh, A9, 10 weights, uh, some big flies. Uh, we use basically streamers and the collars are different. We're some, in the beginnings, we try to start trying with the 
darker colors as we do with the Dorado, but then we figure out that that doesn't matter. We are catch, catching Payada with white, pink, chartreuse, any kind of colors. The thing it is how to drift. It is similar than the drift you do, for example, for a steelhead, you know. When you're fishing for salmon, steelhead is all about the drift and how the fly swings in the current and where it stops in the water column and where you start to strip in the fly. So it's pretty much like that. The patterns do not, colors are not the most important thing. I think the most important thing for the payata, it is finding the right place they are feeding, the depth they are feeding, and, and the swing. And it's related also with the, I, I always talk with, with some guides and anglers that want to catch for catch payata, and I, I do this parallel with the steelhead and salmon fishing. It is like a 3D swinging movement. It is all over the current, but also you need to calculate which depth this fish are. So it's sometimes it's tricky, you know, because we are dealing with different currents and pools and fast water and the and the control of the line. It is really, it's really important in that case. But also we catch them on top. Sometimes they are feeding on top and feeding bait fish and that happens in the end of the of the season, uh, and and we just figure out that in our last season, and the natives also told us, and we are learning a lot with the natives about the payata, because there are no there are no guides that are fishing for payata on you know specifically on the fly. So our best guides and our uh, and the people that can really teach us something are the natives, and they have been telling us that. The payata by the beginning of the dry season and, and by the sorry by the end of the dry season and beginning of the wet season, I mean November, early December, they are starting to migrate upstream for the spawning season, and they are following the bait fish, just like the dorado. When the dorado is following the sabalo, they have a massive migration. Exactly yeah. the, the same happened with the payata, but that happens by the end of the dry season, beginning of the wet season, just when the rains starts and the river starts getting higher, the bait fish start moving upstream and the payata comes from every part of the river and they got in big, big schools feeding on surface. And that's simply amazing. See all these fish rolling and, and crushing bait on the surface. It's simply amazing. And then And then all the techniques change. You start using poppers and floating lines. Right. Oh, so cool. when a payara grabs a bait fish, not a fly, right? Because they're actually feeding on a fish, right? Do mm -hmm. they like spear it with the teeth and then eat it whole? Do they? Because they don't have cutting teeth like a Dorado. Like how no. do these teeth actually work? Well, they are super sharp, but it's different than Dorado that just bite, crash the bait and eat. You know, the payara is different. The payara with the, all those fangs, you know? They come to the bait, they first bite and try to kill the bait. They open the mouth, release it, and then they come back and swallow and, and, and eat definitely the, the, the fish. So the first movement is to kill with the fangs, like a sword. Which like, is why that know? take, that initial strike is so violent, it seems like, from that fish. Exactly. The, the, the first bite, the first strike, it is 
it's like it's like uh, it's like an electrical shock. It's something that poof, you don't you don't have. Sometimes you don't have time to react and make the proper strip set because it's it's super violent and fast. And then you think that you you didn't perform it well and did it strike it well. Oh, okay, I missed the fish. But that's when you need to keep stripping and change a little bit the stripping velocity, maybe twitching the fly, stripping slower like the bait is dying, and then right. you have the fish Brilliant. come back. And always, when you miss the strike, you should keep keep moving the fly with your rod tip low, exactly movement that you're doing, and sometimes some erratic uh, stripping movements, and then you got them back, and then it's solid. Then it's solid because this fish comes to eat, and then you have the chance to to hook the fish because they have all bone mouth, all this this teeth, and it's right. it is really hard to get a proper hook set. Right. Well, that sounds like a grand adventure. It makes <laughs> makes more sense now those teeth. Yeah, I hope yeah. to experience that initial kill strike at some point. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Well, it is. We do want to give you just a quick moment to tell people where they can follow your Instagram, follow the company's Instagram, get in touch if they want to go on a trip. They do not have to necessarily do the ritual. We hear that. So. <laughs> it's not no. required. No, it's not <laughs> mandatory. <laughs> so what's the contact info if someone wants more information? Yeah, for anybody that's interested to, to experience fly fishing in the jungle, you can contact us and tame and angling our company is running is running jungle fly fishing destinations since 2006 and in brazil we have these four lodges and we're running these four different lodges for completely different species and you can you can always get in touch with me uh by email facebook instagram uh, it's rodrigo at uangling.com or directly in our webpage entertainmentangling.com uh, it's a pleasure and also I'm available to talk about jungle fly fishing with anybody that wants to learn more about these amazing species from the dorado to peacock bass to the paku, payara, arapaima well we have a bunch of different species to catch on the fly in the amazon jungle and it's our life. It's what we do. We are, we are doing that for our lives. And then it's always a pleasure to get people interested in, in, in the jungle and help them to learn more, to understand about the species, techniques, places, seasons, everything. So it's, it's our life and it's a pleasure to help anybody. Well, thank you. We really enjoyed talking about it. I feel like I could talk about jungle fishing all day. Um, yeah. The yeah. that I've done has just you know, been such an amazing experience. So thank you so much for taking the time. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Corinne. Thank you. Thank you, Garrison. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. All right. Bye.